0: Oh praise the Lord. Where is everybody? There must be a reason. Maybe it's the season. Who knows? Hanukkah. Well you know when you're trying to break old habits sometimes you have to do it carefully. But we're studying the book of Matthew and we're in chapter 3. And uh, we looked at some of these things last week briefly, but I want to go over verses two and three again, Uh, a statement made by John the Baptist. We looked at it briefly last week, but I think it bears a closer look. And it says this, and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so what we see is John comes onto the scene, he's down by the Jordan, and he's baptizing and preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And if we go to chapter 4, we're going to find that it's the same message that Yeshua preached after his testings in the wilderness. We're told this in verse 17. From that time on, Yeshua began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know Something that I learned years ago is that we read our Bibles with very little understanding of what's really being said. And this is because the words and themes don't mean the same things to us anymore as they meant to those that they were spoken to. And this is one of those verses because first, most don't understand what repentance is. This phrase is so important, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That it's really imperative that we understand exactly what's meant here. First, it was the message of John. It says he preached it and he baptized for repentance. And next, Matthew tells us that Yeshua preached it. And the thing that I want you to see it said, from this time forward. Think of that. It means that this was the focus of Yeshua's ministry the thrust of his teaching. And think of something else. This phrase occurs in chapter 4, verse 17, just five verses before the most important message that he will ever give to the people, that he gave to the people that's recorded to us, the Sermon on the Mount, just five verses before. So I would think that as we look at that message in the weeks to come this needs to be at the forefront of our minds because this is what he preached repent for the kingdom of heaven is near now you get some uh, we'll get into the definition of repent in a moment but we should have something uh, some idea of its meaning I think we all do it means your sorrow you have sorrow over what you've done And then the other part they don't always get is the turning away from your sin. But I want you to think about something. If that's the case and that's what John means here, you have to ask yourself, well, what sin is he asking Am Israel, the people of Israel, particularly the common people of Israel, to turn from? What sin? They're not bad people, as people go. They go to synagogue on the Sabbath day to hear Torah. They go to the pilgrim festivals, they keep the Sabbath, eat clean animals and so forth. And so what are they being asked to repent from? They're doing the things in the Torah and that the rabbis who interpret the Torah for them tell them to do. And so what are they to repent of? What new path are they to walk upon? Well, over the next few weeks, I think we're going to answer some of those questions, but I want us to keep repent for the kingdom of heaven is near at the forefront of our mind as we look at the life of Yeshua. And so I think next, a discussion of repent would be in order, and I want to read some quotes from a book entitled The Difficult Words of Jesus by Bivens and Blizzard. And they did a really... They really touched on the truth of this passage, so I want to look at their definition. The first is of repent. Repentance is the Hebrew teshuvah in the noun form. It is a foundational concept in Judaism. It means to return, to literally turn around and go back in the other direction. The call to repent is the imperative to turn your life around. To the mouth of the prophets, it meant quit sinning, turn around and start doing good. It's a change of behavior. It's a return to Torah. Sin is defined as transgression of Torah. Therefore, the call to repent is the call to quit sinning, turn around and return to obedience to Torah. And so John, according to this commentator, and I think he's exactly right, is telling the people to, on the, uh, that are on the banks of the Jordan, the people of Israel, the common people of Israel, Am Israel, the farmers and the like, the fishermen and the like. He's telling them, quit sinning. Return to a life free of transgressions of Torah. That's John's message. And Yeshua will make this the focus of his teaching as well, as we just read. And so, again, it really brings to mind for me, what sin, what so terrible sin are they to, ret- are they to turn from? Because I truly believe that the people of Israel, the common people, Am Israel, they're people who loved God, who were trying to live right lives. They're following Torah, And they're following the rabbis' interpretation of Torah. In fact, they love the rabbis because we're told that this is where the Pharisees got their power base. They had the love, the respect, and the admiration of the people. Josephus tells us that the Pharisees were so powerful because of this love that the people had for them that the priests in the temple were forced to perform the temple services the way the Pharisees saw them to be performed at the direction of the Pharisees because they were in fear of the people. And so they're following the Pharisees' keeping of Torah, the Sabbaths, the living uh, out the Torah. They're living what we would deem good lives. If we saw one of these people, we'd think they were living good lives. And so I ask you again, what are they to repent of? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Think about it. Let's see what Biven and Blazard have to say about the Kingdom of Heaven. The Kingdom of Heaven, Robert Lindsay wrote, for them this Kingdom was in essence the rule of God, most often described as equal to the personal acceptance of God's reigning over a given person. The sages spoke of the recitation of the Shema as taking on the yoke of the kingdom. Thus, the kingdom of heaven is not a place, it is a status. But to make a kingdom, you need a king. Yeshua came as the promised king. To those who would choose to obey, the king would be under his reign of the king, that is to say, in the kingdom, and then heaven, In the days of Yeshua, the Jewish people had ceased using the name of God for fear of breaking the third commandment. Instead of pronouncing God's name, synonyms were employed. Thus, terms kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are synonymous. And so, as I mentioned last week, we can take this to mean to them that the kingdom of heaven particularly is near... Remember that they were waiting for a king. They were waiting for King Messiah to come. They were waiting for him to rule over them. The purpose of the ministry of John the Baptist, who we're told later in Matthew 11 was the Elijah who was to come, was to prepare the way for Messiah. Messiah to their thinking, to prepare the way for the rule of Messiah. And so John and Yeshua may be saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, and the people would have understood that the king was near. The rule of Rome was about over. And listen to what Blizzard says about near. He says, the Hebrew word for near does not imply that there's necessarily to be any distance between, at all between that which is coming near and that which is being approached, we can see how the Greek or the English leaves the wrong concept of the kingdom of God, futuristic. The Hebrew leaves the correct concept, the present tense, now. The kingdom of heaven is always present, right now, according to Yeshua's understanding and the rabbinic usage as well. And so the phrase near can mean now. It's within your grasp, it's close. I put the Greek word up here so that we can see what the Greek word means. It means to make near, to approach, to be at hand. It comes from a Hebrew word, karob, It means at hand, next, nigh, close. And so what we can see here is that it's not necessarily near as in distance. As we think of when we hear the term at hand or near. But it can just as easily mean now it's within your reach, it's near, it's close. Take hold. And so when we put those elements together, we come up with a meaning, and I'm going to read what he has to say about this as well. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Quit sinning, turn around, start obeying God because the king is already here and the reign of God is starting right now. It is an urgent and desperate call back to Torah and righteousness. The good news of the gospel is that the king has arrived and the demand of the gospel is repentance. Now, the Christian explanation for this passage is is usually that the Israelites were terrible sinners and needed to repent. But the fact is, they were serious about living for God. That's hardly true of them from what I read in scriptures. Now, if you listen to many Hebrew roots or Messianic teachers, they would use this to admonish believers to return to dietary laws, rabbinic kosher, Jewish traditions for keeping Torah, return to us searching out of rabbinic sources. They would admonish us to keep the Sabbath by all the rabbinics that go along with that. And they would tell us, that's what's meant here. The problem is, as we have seen, and we can clearly show, and we clearly show in the Saturday evening study, Life of the Early Believers, these people were doing those things. If that's the teaching here, it sure doesn't explain why there's such an urgent plea on the part of John because the people are already doing these things. You see, if that's the answer to the statement, repent for the kingdom of heaven at hand, follow the rabbis, lead on keeping Torah, eat kosher, don't blow the shofar on Shabbat, don't do this, don't do that, go to services on the Sabbath, listen to my teachings, follow me as I follow the rabbis, you're still left with the question, why is there such an urgency in John's plea? And why are so many people being baptized? Because these are things they're doing. They don't have to repent of these things. What makes it so urgent if that's the case? If John's statement literally means return to Torah, there's nothing new in that message. This is something the people of Israel would have heard each week in the synagogues. There's no urgency here. The Pharisees were always preaching return to Torah, particularly their interpretation of Torah. There's nothing new, there's nothing urgent in that message. The fact is, we're told that they had the people already keeping the Torah so stringently that Yeshua will later in the book of Matthew called their way of keeping Torah a heavy load that no man should have to bear. You see, the average explanation, Christian, Messianic, Hebrew roots, is incomplete. It doesn't answer. What is the urgency of this plea here? It doesn't adequately address the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. However, the kingdom of heaven is near is perfectly answered if we look at it in the context of Yeshua's ministry and teachings. Because remember, in verse and in, in verse 17 of chapter 4, the, where this is from, it said, from this time forth, Yeshua preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near.' That's the focus of all the rest of his preaching. And I believe that Bivin and Blizzard are correct as far as they go. Return to Torah, but it doesn't adequately explain it. Yeshua will advocate return to Torah, but he advocates return. The return he advocates is not just what the word Torah means or implies. John begins to answer the question for us if we look closely at his words. Remember, as we go through this verse, repent means literally to turn, to walk in a new direction. Verse 7 of chapter 3. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming where he was baptizing He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When John sees the Pharisees, what does he call them? A brood of vipers? Or we could say, a brood of poisonous snakes. And one has to wonder, why this terminology? Why would he use this terminology, a brood of vipers? Well, if we look at a viper, poison issues from his mouth these are the teachers of israel could it be that john is referring to the teachings of the pharisees being poison and could it be that repentance is calling that he's calling the people to is a turning away from the teachings of the pharisees i'm convinced that it is and i'm going to try and convince you that it is in the next few minutes When we look at the word repentance, it would mean take a new path, go a new direction in life. When we compare it, I want to compare it with Genesis 49 where it speaks of Dan because I'm sure this would have came to John's mind as he says viper. Genesis chapter 49 and verse 5 says, Dan will be a serpent by the roadside. A viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so it causes so that its rider stumbles backward. We could easily piece this together that John sees these Pharisees as vipers, covering the path of the people, biting at their heels, causing them to fall back from the true path, the way of God. When you say Torah, you know what comes to mind for most people when we say Torah or law is the five books of Moses. You know, that's true. That's what it is. But it's not really what comes to their mind. Let me give you an example. If we use the word most often used for Torah, which is law, and if I say, you know, to someone, if I go up to someone and I say, you know, I I keep the law, you know what would come to their minds? Look, you've become Jewish. I'm now living life as a Jewish person. But let me tell you something. It's not the Torah that makes you look like a Jewish person. It's following the rabbis that make you look like a Jewish person. Right? Anyone can keep Torah and not look Jewish. As an example, Sharon eats food that's completely Clean, never eats anything unclean. She's a vegan. (laughs) She keeps Torah, but not necessarily kosher as the rabbis dictate, right? So when you read Biven and Blazard and say, return to Torah, it takes some qualifying. Because Torah or law does not mean Torah alone to most. Listen, Yeshua uses the same terminology when he speaks of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. He uses the same viper terminology. And I want to read from 13 through 15 first. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut up the kingdom of heaven in men's faces! You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much of a son of hell as you are. He tells us that the Pharisees are actually keeping people from the kingdom of heaven. And in this instance, they're trying to... They're keeping Gentiles from the kingdom. They're traveling over land to win a single convert. You know, that'll be the focus of Shaul's ministry, making sure that the Pharisees don't shut up the kingdom of heaven in the Gentiles' face. He says they travel over land and sea to win a single convert and then make him, by their teachings, twice as much of a son of hell as they are. Now, listen to what he says later in this chapter, in verse 29. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of the sin of your forefathers, you snakes, you vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? What I want you to understand is a brood of vipers in the path traveling. They're like a brood of vipers in the path traveling, keeping people from God in the guise, in the guise, mind you, of leading people to God. But they're actually vipers in the road causing them to fall. Both Yeshua and John see them as vipers slithering at the crossroad of life congregating together making a roadblock on the path that leads to God and the only way possible to travel is on the other path that leads to their teachings John and Yeshua are telling the people repent that's correct but it's really repent from the teachings of the rabbis repent from the ways of the Pharisees and the teachings of men and turn back to following God by His Spirit. John was filled with the Spirit from birth to teach this message. And as soon as Yeshua is immersed, the Spirit of God rests upon him and he comes out of the wilderness, he goes forth and he teaches, repent from the ways of men and turn back to the leading of the Spirit of God. It is the message of John and Yeshua and the disciples will go forth as well and teach the same thing. They'll lay hands on people, healing them to accomplish it. Paul will preach it everywhere he goes. That is the message of the kingdom. Turn from the rule of men and turn to the rule of God by accepting Yeshua and the direction of the Spirit of God in your life. Take on the yoke of Torah, yes, but take on the yoke through the leading of the Spirit. Learn Torah, yes, but don't take on the yoke of the rabbis. Let the Spirit of God speaking to your heart be your restraint and lead you through life. Let that be your yoke. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, is the rule of God in your life. It is the resting in God right now. The Sabbath rest of God is the kingdom of heaven and Yeshua and John are trying to give the people rest from the heavy load that the rabbis have placed upon them, asking them to rest in the arms of the Spirit of God because his ways are easy and his burden is light. Listen, this agrees with the rest of the Messianic writings if you just keep these things in mind as you read them. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says. Therefore, since the promise of entering the rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. That's the good news of the kingdom of heaven. It's near. It's the Sabbath rest of God here now. It is the news that the way has been made for us to commune with God once more. It's the good news. It's that we can be led once again by the Spirit of God, that He'll walk with us in the cool of the day as He did with Adam. It's the good news that there's no condemnation. It's why Shaul says this in one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. He says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua, because through Messiah Yeshua, the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerful, powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Yeshua came with the good news. That he made a way for us to commune with the Spirit of God by paying the price for our transgressions, by making us clean so the Spirit of God could inhabit us. And now we have the same access to the Spirit that he and John had. The Spirit can now do what the law alone could never do, lead us into life that's pleasing to God. He did this so that the righteous requirements of the law could be met in us fully. In other words, we're now able to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law because we're led by the Spirit of God and not by some man. That's something the Pharisees couldn't do because of their flesh. Yeshua will say in chapter 5, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But through the leading of the Spirit, He gives us power and the understanding to walk out the commands of God perfectly. And we may not look Jewish, because that's not what it's all about. But we'll love the Lord our God and our brothers like ourselves because that is what the word is about. Now listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in, in, cha- in verse 6 of chapter 4. It remains then that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God set a certain day calling it today when a long time later he spoke to the prophet David through David and said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's right there. It's within your grasp. The Sabbath rest of God is right here. You can grab a hold of it today. The rule of God in your life can begin today if you cast off the teachings of men and begin to build relationship with God. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart what every person who ever pleased God in the scriptures did they had relationship with God Yeshua and John are saying repent turn back to listening to God not to men because the kingdom of heaven is near you can receive it today your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees turn back to relationship with me and the father as your father Abraham had Torah is not words on paper, it's not traditions on paper, but it's alive. Listen to verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Because of the Spirit, the Word is alive. It judges our thoughts and our attitudes. Nothing is hidden from His sight. And if we listen to the Spirit today, we won't have to be worried about being condemned in the future. Everything is uncovered and laid before Him. Don't you think it would be wise just to check your Torah observance with Him once in a while if everything is uncovered before His eyes? Do you think it would be wise if a righteous to live a righteous life don't you think it would be wise to spend a little time on your face asking the spirit of god to live you if that to lead you if that's what you want to do live a righteous life It seems like it makes sense to me Listen to what James says in chapter 4 verse 7 Submit yourselves then to god Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your uh, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We have been brought near to God through Yeshua, so draw near the way has been made so why are you still standing so far off? Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you because through Yeshua we are able. Listen to Shaul in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing and Messiah for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Listen to this now. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Yeshua the Messiah in accordance with his pleasure and will. We've been made sons through Yeshua. We've been sealed. Listen to what he says in verse 13 of chapter 1 having believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's chosen possession praise to the praise of his glory because we are now sons because we're in Yeshua and he's in us and we're being led by the Spirit of God we will one day hear these words they will be spoken by the Father just as they were spoken to the master one day we're gonna be standing on a path and one way leads to Yeshua in life and the other way leads to Gehenna it's a path we're, we're familiar with it's the path we've been on all of our lives But this time, life as we knew it is over and we're on the final crossroad. We're standing at the final crossroad and at that moment of judgment, of the judgment of God, we're going to hear, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased because we are now, through Yeshua, the sons of God. And it's all here. The kingdom is here now. Let us not be found fallen short. Amen? Let's bring the worship team back up and praise the Lord.